0: Welcome to Health Law Talk, presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. Health law broken down through expert discussion, real client issues, and real life experiences. Breaking barriers to understanding complex healthcare issues is our job.
1: And good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Health Law Talk here at Shahardi Sherman Williams. Conrad Meyer, Rory Bellina, your leading healthcare lawyers who are pioneering everything healthcare, right, Rory? It's
2: a good description. Very <laughs> good description.
1: And today in the studio, we have a wonderful guest. We have Dr. Jamie Quo.
3: Hello, thank you for having me.
1: That's great. We're happy to have you. And and I gotta tell you, it's 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 fun because uh, for our listeners out there, I taught Jamie in law school.
3: Well, not law school. Remember, it's oh, the master's, the master's in I don't healthcare. Want to misrepresent myself.
1: Yes, that's correct. So, yeah. so, so, forgive me. Yes, but she was in. She was in our health law class, and 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 Jamie has wonderfully decided to come on the show today. Um, I mean, really got some good stuff going on, Jamie. How, how are you doing? What's going on in your world?
3: I'm doing well. I'm super busy, like everybody else in the world. Uh, I've, uh, I'm still getting my master's degree, and, and the reason why you think that I'm in law school is because the master's program is in the Loyola Law School, Right. so um, I'm still doing that right now. I'm taking six hours this semester. I'm still working full-time. I'm an ER doctor, and uh, I'm doing a lot of my advocacy, which is what we're going to talk about today.
1: That's great. So so let, let's talk about that. ER doctor, I mean, you know, that's, that's a big deal. I mean- you know, my wife's an ER physician, so I know how terribly tough and stressful that is. What, how, what is that like? I mean, wh- how long you've been doing that? Where are, you know, if you're comfortable saying that, what, tell me about that role and in, in, in terms of your professional career.
3: Yeah. Oh, exactly. For sure. Um, so I graduated from LSU medical school in '07, and hurricane Katrina happened during my third year. So my husband and I said, Oh, let's go away for a few years. Let's, let's right. go have some fun. So we did residency in Charleston, South Carolina. Nice. And honestly we probably would have stayed there, but my husband became disabled. So we moved home about six year he got sick about a year after his uh, he started working. So we wanted to be closer to family, so we moved back and I've been working in the community uh since twenty thirteen. So I've been practicing, you know, for about what is that, fifteen years?
1: That's a that's a that's a long time. Yeah, you and know,
3: it, And it does it is a long time. And uh, you know, you were asking what's ER like, you know, We, ER doctors see acute unscheduled care patients, right? So patients that are having acute problems and they don't have an appointment with the doctor. So they come to the ER, right? Right. And then of course we see the patients that are sick and literally dying. Absolutely. And uh, it's hard, but you know, uh, I feel like my career has prepared me for what I'm doing right now. Because as an ER doctor, I literally all day am advocating for patients. Whether right. it's a homeless patient that needs to go to a shelter, mm-hmm. we help set that up for some homeless patients. Whether it's a person who has an opiate addiction and they need to go to they want to go to rehabilitation or recovery, we can help them set them up. Um, and then, you know, just the, the patients, the twenty five percent of the patients that we admit to the hospital, we've got to advocate to their consultants when their are uh, physicians that they get admitted to. So, you know, all day long, I'm talking to people. I've learned how to, um, talk to all different kinds of people, right? Like I take care of CEOs. And that's and I a take gift.
1: Care of- I mean, that's a real gift to do that. I mean, being able to talk yeah. to everybody, I mean, you really have to have a patience, I would think. Right. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to do sometimes. It
3: is. And you know, what's interesting when I was a little younger and more egotistical, I was probably a little more stubborn and hard headed and probably had a harder time. But Uh as I've gotten older, I've just realized that if I just keep the focus on the patient, when I'm at work, I don't lose, you know, like whether I'm, You know, fighting for something for them in the community or even, you know, arguing with a doctor about what the appropriate care is. I shouldn't say arguing, but, you know, spirited conversation, I guess. Um, (laughs) You know, if I keep the the focus on the patient, we all win as long as we're doing what's best for them. And that's just what I've learned to do.
2: You know, I was just talking with Conrad before the show when we were prepping. I think you're the first ER doc that we've had on the show. We've had a lot of doctors, so I just want to spend a few minutes, not a lot of time, because we could spend a whole episode on it. On we could. what the past two years have been like for you? What was it like? Oh, that's a good moving question. Moving out uh, of that, I know. I promise. Give me a two minute answer on this, so that we could pivot off. We we could wow. we could
1: literally do a whole episode on that
3: for sure. sure. Could. Um. So th- it was personally hard for me. Uh, because my husband is disabled, he's immunocompromised, and he's on oxygen. So I'm one of those doctors who literally, and I don't want to sound funny about this, but I, I don't, I'm not an anxious person, but that was one of the first times in my life and my career where I was like, I was literally at work and my my partners were having to talk me down because I was so nervous mm-hmm. because we, you know, we have a child, we have a 12-year-old. So there were all these, you know, and at the beginning, so many healthy people were dying, right? It was so virulent and so deadly that, one, I was worried I was going to catch it and I was going to die. Another thing was that I was worried about was I was going to catch it and bring it home to my husband and he was going to die. And then we were going to orphan my son. I actually was one of those doctors that moved out of my house.
2: Oh, wow. For okay. a few months. Yeah. Okay. And
3: I had some really nice friends who donated their airbnbs to me or some condo that oh yes people really came out and helped me and then um you know we just kind of went wild you know buying supplies even my brother my brother my 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 family is from lafayette and we do industrial insulating not me but my family does and so my brother has all these industrial accounts and he started buying those you know those coveralls that would cover the whole head and he bought a bunch of those for us and donated to them and we got all these masks and I was on, I was so active on social media, which I actually usually am not, but mm-hmm. just posting every day, like everybody, you gotta do this and you gotta do it, come donate your mask to us, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, taking uh, care of the patients was pretty frightening, you know? Cause they're looking at you and th- they were literally looking at me like you are right now. But their oxygen levels are in the forties, which is that's not good. Oh no! I mean, your oxygen levels should be between ninety-three to hundred percent. Right. They were in the forties, and uh, so when we would have to put the breathing tubes, because remember there, there was a whole fear of the ventilator shortage. Right. Yeah. Right. We were ventilating everybody. Um, you, you had to do your procedure so fast, and you had to be so confident in it to mm-hmm. uh, to do that. I, I had a, I had sweat going to my back numerous times. Wow um but you know i was lucky I, I, I don't work at some of the bigger hospitals that were just crazy out the wazoo patients in the hallway uh, we were a little more controlled in my hospital so we had all the supplies that we needed so
1: that's good yeah yeah i, mean, I remember you know my wife came home and, and i don't like talking too much about my wife but I, but she's great we had a whole sterile technique like in other words. When she got in the garage, immediately take off all the clothes. Yep. There was a garbage bag waiting. She put it in the garbage bag, mm-hmm. walked up, immediately went into the washer, um, immediately went into the shower. Uh, I mean, it was a whole thing for, I mean, and we did that for, gosh, almost a year. I mean, a, and I can remember that. And, we, and I mean, I, I went to, I went and bought toilet paper. I mean, I had toilet paper and paper towels. And I, mean, I mean, people thought I was crazy. You were a hoarder absolutely you know absolutely
3: um we did the same thing I, I would get undressed on my on you know my back porch and everything and you know now covid's not gone yes it's less virulent but it's still deadly for my family right right um it, that uh, uh i still mask. y'all saw me y'all came in i still masked sure. oh my gosh you know, I feel like everybody else. I can't breathe either in it. You know, I don't like wearing it either. But well, I hope I you don't feel to, bad because
1: we're not wearing masks. Yeah, I hope no, you, y'all
3: are sitting far enough away from it. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, good.
2: Okay, good, good. Yeah. So how have things been? I guess let's segue into your practice now. How have things, have things, I know there's, normal is not the right phrase, but are, are things going back to more of your pre-COVID practice? Yes. Okay, good. It is, yeah. Good.
3: And, and, you know, we we definitely see all, all this spikes in the COVID and everything uh, as they come. We recently had one, and where there's always a few patients in the ER that have it, but I haven't seen anybody in respiratory or failure, failure recently. Uh, one of my partners said she felt like she saw original strain not too long ago. Oh, wow. Like, like I, was, I was describing, like the patient that's sitting there looking at you, but sure. their levels are in the 40%. Um, so, yeah, no, it's feeling Good. It's pretty normal.
1: So how, how, how did – let me pivot back. Okay. The journey – law school? How, I mean, I mean, most doctors I know, I'm sorry, not law school, the master's in in law. I get that messed up. And that Roy's looking at me with four (laughs) eyes. Conrad, he didn't go to law school. I will correct
3: you every time. I I know you will. I know you will. But so
1: how did, I mean, the master's in law or in in, in health law, tell me how that came to be or and where, where did the desire to go for that? Yeah. I
3: I actually love telling this story and it'll actually come full circle for y'all because when I was in my first semester, mm-hmm. you told us about, I was taking health law one, and right. you told us about this. Oh, you didn't know about this podcast. We had this podcast we've been doing. So I started listening to it. Well, I think y'all's third podcast was about House Bill 495. It's 2021 House Bill 495 introduced by Barry Ivy, and it was a scope of practice bill. I remember this one. Yeah, I think it was your third. So it was very interesting. Literally the day that you told me about the podcast, that was the podcast that was released that day. <laughs> So, and that's honestly, I like it. House Bill four ninety five is what really started my journey with all of this advocacy. So, um, so you know, in the healthcare arena, we have mm-hmm. a lot of people that take care of patients, right? We have right. physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs. We have pharmacists in the hospital. We have physical therapists, social workers. You know, there's there's a lot of different people. So, what?
1: Yeah, I want to I tell you about this. 495 Can you, you want to give a quick quick little, for the listeners who didn't listen to that podcast, what, what is that bill? Why did that trigger right. the interest? Yeah.
3: So uh, 495 was asking for independent practice for nurse practitioners after a certain amount of time.
1: The mid-levels, correct. Yes. Okay, your APPs.
3: Yeah. Uh, So we actually, I call them non-physician practitioners. I think that that's a more accepted terminology because that's actually what the federal government uh, refers to as nurse practitioners and PAs. As a
1: non-physician practitioner.
3: They're physician practitioner. Okay. Yeah. okay. So we think that's our that's our accepted terminology Got for it. that. Okay. Uh, mid-levels uh cuz I have a lot of friends that are nurse practitioners and PAs right. the mid-levels they feel is a little uh, derogatory towards them so I really try not to use that word. Okay, okay. I, did,
1: I did not know that. Good to yeah. know. Good we to
3: know. we used to back in the and I even slipped because I used that word. I thought for so APP
1: long. was the one, like you know, advanced practice provider. Um, that was sort of what we were told, but anyway,
3: that's just kind of a, a word that hospitals have made up. But I feel like every hospital, yeah. the hospitals around here definitely say APP.
1: Right. Okay.
3: Uh, one of the big hospitals.
1: Okay. We have and, a lot of word salad in health yeah, care. We
3: surely do. But the the terminology that is accepted by CMS is non-physician practitioner. Got okay. it. Okay. Good to know. Okay. Good to know. Okay. So th- th- the bill was asking for independent practice and, you know, I've been practicing for 15 years, and at the time I'd been practicing for 13 years. I've worked with a lot of nurse practitioners. I've worked with a lot of physician's assistants, and I, physician assistant. See, I need to, you got to make sure with the terminology, because that is also derogatory. If you call them physician's assistant, they're not a physician's assistant. They're physician assistants.
1: Have have y'all made that? I have not heard that. It's I've just heard physician extenders. I've heard of mid levels. Now the non physician practitioner. Yeah. I've heard of all yeah. that, but I've not heard yeah. of that.
3: Well, I try to be sensitive because some of the topics that I focus on are not personal, and they're not. I'm right. not trying to be derogatory, sure. so I just try to be respectful about how I talk about it.
1: Uh, My, I totally agree. Yeah. Very diplomatic.
3: Yeah. So, um, right, right, because this is not personal. No. Right. How I feel is not personal. My focus is the patients. So. So the, the bill was asking for independent practice for and, um for nurse practitioners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of looked back and said, gosh, I don't think this is safe. Right. This, and this bill, it had always been kind of floating around. I had even been hearing about nurse practitioners and PAs and uh, this, you know, quote, unquote, they're going to take your jobs and all that, you know, uh, kind of negative uh, talking points. But I had always kind of ignored it. I wasn't really paying attention. I, my, my My head was in my books. I was just working, keeping my head down. But, you know, when I saw this bill, I said, I don't think this is safe. And I'm going to tell y'all why. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: I've worked side by side with a lot of nurse practitioners and PAs. I have trained a lot of nurse practitioners and PAs, whether they are freshly out of graduation or uh, mid-career and making a change. I have been a recipient of the care of nurse practitioners and PAs, Mm -hmm. both me and my husband. So me as a direct patient, but also as a caregiver. Um and then now I uh I work for the federal government. So now I work with them in a capacity where they already have independent practice. Um so I said, look, I I really feel like I know a lot about this and I, I don't think it's safe. I do feel like nurse practitioners and physicians assistants have a role in healthcare, but I feel like they need to be supervised. So, you know, I was watching House bill four ninety five and uh, it it did end up uh, it ended up dying in the Senate. It did right. yeah. it okay. didn't make it. but what what sparked all this advocacy was I started watching every single committee hearing meeting and i was blown away <laughs> i was blown away at so you was, watch
2: those hearing meetings I they're them. they're very the debates oh my gosh wow. they're very boring
3: whether it was health and welfare I was, and, I, and, it, and then through that you start going oh well i'm interested in this bill i'm interested so you start watching right. all the committees and then you kind of know how they all operate and then i would watch the floor debates right and the way i felt was gosh these legislators well first First, before I said it, I love state level politics because mm-hmm. I really feel like our state legislators—they they live in their districts. You know, yeah. they don't live in D.C., they, so they truly care, right? 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 And I felt like I, I just realized that they don't really understand a lot of the bills that they're passing or not passing, right? right? Because I would
1: agree with that. Some
3: of them, if you look at health and welfare committees, right. some of them are lawyers. Right, some of them are some of you know some of them. Are well, not their pregnant. backgrounds
1: aren't in healthcare. They're not healthcare, right. so
3: they don't truly understand how these bills affect patients at the bedside. And you have a
2: lot of career politicians in Baton Rouge that you have been there for so long that
1: they don't really understand or, or know. You know, you know. And even at the hearings, though, Rory. I mean, because you got different interest groups know pitching mm-hmm. right whatever the the bill is on the on the on the table right at the sure. committee level so you might have a hospital or a, a, the uh the state medical society or whatever whatever lobbying group is pitching these guys you know the the the, the, uh, the legislators so yeah. you know i yeah. agree with, i've seen i've seen it it was, it was no. it's terrifying yeah.
3: so by the end of that session i said oh my goodness right it's like patients need an advocate and it's going to be me So, but I felt, and I felt like I have time, like I'm an ER doctor. I do a lot of shift work. So I have just like someday, like this week, I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday off because I'm working this weekend, you know, so I have time to do this kind of outreach. My specialty has taught me how to be an advocate. So it kind of comes naturally to me now, Mm. you know, being able to talk to people and advocate for the patients.
1: I can see that in you.
3: Thank you. And, and, but then I said, well, I want to go to law school. So, I started researching law school, and honestly, with the disabled husband and, and right. the son and the full time job, I really couldn't. But Loyola had this master's in health care healthcare and master's in health fund administration. And I said, I'm going to do that. It's th- it's a master's program, it's 30 hours, and I'm still going to be able to really focus on the classes that will help me. And it's been amazing. It's been absolutely awesome. amazing. So and, we
1: were, and we were the first class. I mean, yeah. that, were we yeah. the first class? Yes. So yeah. so I have to ask, and, I'm, and, I, and you're in front of me now, <laughs> did you like the class? Did we do a good job? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I loved
3: it. I, you know, it was a little chaotic because, you know, I, Bo taught on Mondays and you taught on Wednesdays, yeah. so you would have to... Switch your brain, you know, but at the end, everything really came together and it was great. Oh, I use, actually, you know what? Mm. Um, I'm a member of the American College of Emergency Physicians. Yes. And this past year I was a counselor where, you know, you go to the, and you go and you make rules for the society and everything. Okay. I actually uh, introduced um, a resolution to ask them to support... Uh, to ba- basically give legal advice to new graduates on uh, contract negotiations.
1: That's great. Yeah. That's, really that good. Really good. Yeah. That's really good. That's really
3: good. And it was, that really stems from you because when I was in your class going, yeah. oh, I've never hired a lawyer for any of my contracts. I got really lucky Yeah, you know, sure. that I didn't get trapped anywhere. Right. But it was after taking your class that I said, you know, we need more representations. Physicians are, you know, we got the tunnel vision. We're way too into right. our books. We're not paying attention to anything. Physicians are notoriously bad about money. Notoriously bad.
1: Very true. Um, we, we can agree to that, right, yeah. Rory? Yeah, yeah, Conrad's sure got yeah. personal experience from his wife, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. No, I, my wife
3: does not <laughs> <a good laughs> No, no, she's, she she, knows she's all new. She's, on, she's,
1: all she's on ball. So that was a very good experience for you. And now, so taking that experience, what have you done to further the advocacy? Where, where are you now? What's going on now?
3: Yeah, so... We ended up, so there's, I'm not the only physician who feels this way. Okay. A lot of physicians woke up that year and we said, gosh, we really need to advocate for the patients. So three of us, interesting enough, three, we ended three ER doctors, I guess we just have more time during the week, you know, uh, started a nonprofit. It's called Louisiana Physicians for Patients. And we decided we're just going to advocate for the patients, you know, so we raise money. We, and literally I'm talking about cold calling my friends and just going down like, Hey, I'm starting this group. We're going to hire a lobbyist. And you know, we, you know, I'll, I'll go on a little tangent right there. Our, I love our lobbyists. Right. Um, I think lobbyists have a very negative reputation, uh, in general. I agree with that. But you know, I can't live at the Capitol right. and contact every single one of them. And if you really, it, I spent at least one day a week at the Capitol this past week, uh, uh, doing the physician of the day and also just going to meet with my legislators and everything. And uh, if you meet the lobbyists, they're wonderful. They're nice. They're just doing a job. They're sure. just they're just spreading your message for you because you're at work. Sure, right. You know? sure. right. So what's the yeah, overall so, okay.
2: message of the nonprofit?
3: Yeah. So uh, we, patients first. Okay. Patient safety. That is the main thing. So we started the nonprofit. We started that in February. We raised money to hire a lobbyist. And uh, what we've been doing is we're trying to educate the legislator. So the, the goal has not changed, right? So that's, that's how I originally felt was I needed to educate the legislator. So what we've been doing is we've just been meeting with as many of them as possible. Okay. Um, whether it's uh, bringing them to lunch, and you know, I, I, I even brought all my stuff today to show y'all if y'all were interested, but you know, we kind of showed them the data of why they should or should not be voting a certain way Okay. And uh, all the data that we bring is very patient-focused. Okay. Uh, so we talk about, like, quality, cost, mm-hmm. outcomes, uh, mortality.
2: So are you having to do this every time a bill is introduced? Yes. Where you get, a, you get a a draft of that first bill when it's read, and then you say, okay, we're good with this one. We want to tackle this one. We hate this one. Let's, is that kind of what the process of the nonprofit is?
3: It is, yes. And, you know, we're so small, we, and we don't even really – have a membership yet? Sure. Uh, we're not completely organized because we're brand new. We're, we just started, you know, what, eight months ago. Um, but yeah, that's what we did. When the bills all got registered at some time in March, we had a Zoom together and said, "Okay, these are the bills of interest that affect medical care. You know, let's we're going to either support these or oppose okay. other ones." Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. So I know that the state medical society has its own lobbyists mm-hmm. have they reached out to you have you interacted with LSMS
3: yeah so part of my goal is to unite all physicians across the state mm-hmm. and not every physician is a member of LSMS
1: agree yeah
3: so i i joined LSMS i joined the american medical association i joined asap i joined Yeah, I ended up joining every group because I said, if we, you know, we've, again, this is probably the other time I'm saying this, doctors are not paying attention, like, they're like this, I'm literally Mm -hmm. on my phone finding doctors in Lake Charles, finding doctors in Alexandria, finding doctors in the country, um, you know, in whatever rural area, and saying, hey, this is the message, this is what's going on, and they're like, what, we had no idea, or or they say, oh, yeah, we know, we know we're on it, and then... uh, you know but yeah so i am in touch with lsms i actually spoke to the lobbyist yesterday and we we updated wow you know i've been very clear i'm not competing with anybody right? right like if i want to work for the patient i've got to work with everybody for the patient right. right right um so if you know if lsms wants me to we have this facebook group uh with physicians it's called louisiana Physicians for patients but and in, in, it's only physicians in the group and if lsms wants us to publish something we publish it for them. Okay. Yep. That's so great. Can yeah. you
2: walk the listeners through a process of you gave an example on the house bill from last year, but what's a process look like if something comes out that you decide collectively you don't like or you think you need to go edu- educate everyone in Baton Rouge about?
3: It? Okay. So, I'll talk about the there were two nurse practitioner bills. One was introduced in the Senate and one was introduced in the House. Neither one removed neither one got moved at all. Like they weren't even presented in committee. Okay. There was a physician assistant bill and I'll go into detail about that one, everything that we did. And then there was also a pharmacy bill where they were wanting to diagnose. No, no, actually that was the one thing they didn't ask to do. They were wanted to prescribe medicine, order labs, um, they basically wanted to practice medicine, okay, uh, and leave one step out, which uh, we didn't support. Okay, uh, that one died in committee two. Got okay, it. it got it got discussed a few times, but it also died. Okay, so the physician, the PA bill, right? The PA bills have the PAs uh, have a lobby in Louisiana. It's it's Lapa Louisiana Association for PAs. I'm uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it stands for. So they, uh, they want to practice independently and it's part of their uh, OTP strategy, optimal team practice, okay? With optimal team practice, they have uh, four strategic pillars and one of them is to have independent practice. Okay. Okay. So what we do is we kind of, you know, obviously we read the bill and we see what they're asking for. And right now, PAs need Supervision, Mm -hmm. Nurse practitioners need collaboration. PAs need supervision. When they are supervised, uh, what happens is the physician that they have their, you know, for lack of a better word, their contract. Well, actually, I think it is a contract. It is. Okay. Mm -hmm. When they go over their contract, the physician that they work with. So let's say ortho, because I know y'all had an orthopedist here who was talking about a mid-level one time. Um, uh, Do you remember that? He was.
1: I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> I think I do uh, if it wasn't orthopedics you see i tell she's <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, I'm trying to remember um, so Jamie many. is really on it I mean <laughs> wow.
3: Um, anyways, so I think he was from Colorado or something. Oh, he was from state.
1: Yeah. I, I do know what you're talking about.
3: Okay. So PAs, lo- I mean, orthopedists love to have a PA because they do first assist and they'll go. It, it was the things. one on
1: physician contracting. It was the one I did an ortho contract yes. for him And that's exactly. what it was. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And okay. that was
3: actually one of my inspirations too, for asking for a contract, uh, help with the, my national society. But anyway, so they like to use PAs because they can first assist them and they, or right. they can do, start, they can start consults for them. You know, for example, um, I had a spinal tumor uh, when I was a resident and right now I still follow up in town uh, every few years. And when I go, I will see the physician assistant and then they get all my history and then they go speak to the doctor, they go present it to the doctor, um, the neurosurgeon. And then they make their decision, and the PA comes back okay. and talks to me. But I, but then the physician, the physician also comes into the room. So it's more right. efficient;
1: it allows you to see more patients. Exactly, you know, exactly. It, it, and You
3: keep the quality there because the physician still sees it has
1: you. oversight. Okay.
3: Yes. Okay. So, um, so I'm sorry, I go into so many tangents. Um, so we look at the bill. We kind of we we see what they're asking for. Well, our concern this year was the the optimal team practice, right? They were the strategic pillars. One of them is to get the independent practice. Well, what, what their lobby, I felt, did not reveal was there is an alliance in the PA world called the Physician Assistant Education Alliance. And they wrote a white paper in 2017 talking about optimal team practice. And they said, okay, we agree with three out of four pillars that y'all suggest and one of them was you know one of the pillars was pay parity we agree with that one of them is the pas wanting their own uh licensing board instead of being under the bme okay. mm-hmm. um and they said okay we support that another one was uh promoting team practice I, i'm not really sure what the details of that was but they said yes we agree with that right. the one thing that they said the fourth pillar which was asking for uh unsupervised practice mm-hmm. um they disagreed with and they went through all the education and they said, PA schools do not prepare PAs for independent practice. We oppose this. And uh, so this was written back in 2017. They were saying, you know, we don't prepare them for that. The, the way that the PA body was built or the education was built was that they go under supervision. Like that's the whole point of the specialty. Right, right, right. Um, they were like, if we want to have independent practice, we would have to extend their, uh, we would have to make their education longer. We would have to completely revise all these PA schools in the nation. I don't think y'all realize, I don't, they said, they did not think that they, the, real, the national bodies realized uh, the unintended consequences of this. Um, and to me, the, uh, what's the national association? I think it's called the, the, the national PA, the lobby. Um, to me, they ignored it. Okay. And they're, they're still pushing it. They still, still passed it. it. Yes. Okay. They still put it as their resolution. So what I did, because you're, you know, your question, you probably sure. forgot your question because i am talking so long. But um, what I did was, hey, you know, they're asking for this, but their their own education alliance doesn't approve okay. of this. So I take it. You appro- did
1: that at the committee level. So you went to the committee and said, hey, I, guys, yeah. you, ladies, y'all need to see this, this white paper. I mean, did you sort of bring that to them? I mean, how did you advocate uh, to, I guess, kill the bill? If it was killed, I can't, was it killed in committee or was it, I don't even know if it made it to the floor. It
3: died on the Senate floor.
1: Okay, okay. So, how did you, were you able to get that white paper out to people so they could see that?
3: Uh, Not at the time. I'm doing it now.
1: Got it. I'm doing it now.
3: Uh, I, in the, I know the
1: board's position. I mean, I've talked to, to people, and I'm, I can't can't speak for the board, but uh, I know that, that they would, very much prefer to have PAs under their umbrella.
3: Yeah. Well, look, if you're practicing medicine, you should be under a medical board. Right. And that's how I feel about physician's assistants, PAs, and that's how I feel about nurse practitioners. If you are practicing medicine, you need to be under the medical board.
2: So what kind of blowback or I guess have you had any negative responses maybe from the PAs or the NPs you that know. was my next call. I'm waiting to hear like, <laughs>
1: where, where, like where's the pushback or right. the, the rubber meets the road. What, yeah. what, what, what's what's what been that uh, like nasty Facebook messages?
3: Yeah. Right. If, um,
1: or they did you get doxxed?
3: Okay so I do not like to put stuff on my social Facebook stuff because th- there's face I think social media is so dangerous and that's why I stay very data focused. I'm like sure. if you if you have the data and you focus on the patient, like I right. said, you can't lose, right? Right. So, um, and I'll just speak, and I'll speak to the nurse practitioners and the PAs. When the PA bill came out, I actually texted uh, like eight PAs that I know and said, "Hey, do you support this?" Six out of eight of them said no.
0: Wow. No. They were like,
3: we don't know. Wow. And they were like, but you know, everyone fears retaliation because sure. a lot of, a lot of physicians won't even speak out. Physicians that like oppose sure. the unsupervised practice, they, they're like, oh, I'm afraid my, my, my job's going to get mad at me. Or I'm afraid right. I'm going to upset this person at work or something. Everyone's afraid to offend everybody. Uh, but what I've done is like, you know, my ego is not as important as patient safety, right? You're going to be a patient. You're going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. We're all going to be patient. Like all, and we're all going to be affected by this. So As I feel, as long as I keep my focus on that, then what people have to complain about is is irrelevant. But also, Jamie,
1: I mean, I think this, too, though. I mean, shouldn't we be able to have a conversation about this anyway? And I do, you know. Without having hurt feelings? I mean, shouldn't we be able to all sit around? Whatever the topic is, shouldn't we be able to talk about it?
3: Exactly. And there's one nurse practitioner that she and I have talked about this several times. And we have, you know, spirited debates about it because she wants, you know, she wants the unsupervised practice. And, uh, well, she and can I'm always just, go
1: to FQHC. <laughs> she can always go to there and the federal because there's not, there are no supervised yeah. practices there. Yeah. But I get what you're saying.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I just told her it's not personal. This is not about you. Right. I mean, this is not right. about me. Right. You know, this is about this and I, I don't agree with it and right. I, somebody needs to speak out.
1: You yes. Know? Okay. So,
3: and it's going to be me.
1: Okay. I like that. Yeah. And why wouldn't it be you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why would... So, so let me ask you this. So, you eight months into it... um. Did you ever think you were going to do this?
3: No, no way. Um, it, I, I I can't believe. I just look. I had a revelation. I just like I woke. I, I was literally watching one of the committee hearings, going, "Oh my gosh! Oh my god!" Like literally pacing <laughs> what back do you and do forth. Do? I was like, okay. "I've got to do something about right. this." I was like, "I'm starting a Facebook group." That was my first thing. I'm going in, and literally, I just went down. I added every single doctor that I, I knew to it, and um, so let me yeah, ask you this: and It took off from
1: there. How big's the group now? How many members do you have?
3: We have about seven hundred members.
1: Oh, wow! Um, wow! Not,
3: we don't have seven hundred members of the like the the nonprofit. Okay. Oh, in, seven, in the Facebook. We have seven hundred. Yeah. Um, I actually we actually haven't started the membership drive yet because okay. right. we, we're still filing right now sure. and building the website and everything. And and I do everything myself. Like I, I spend a, a lot of money out of my own
1: pocket. You know. You know to, who she reminds me of? Doctor Hoyt. Yeah. Yes. yes I mean, you, you, another sh- guest on the show. Another guest on the show. So I mean, the drive, the passion. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're just a go getter.
3: <laughs> I'm stubborn. I'm a little stubborn. <laughs>
1: no, I mean, I, I think you're passionate about I what am. you like. It now, yeah. I mean, I can hear it in your voice. I mean, Rory, yeah. I can see it. We can see it in your, in your emotion. Yeah. And, and I think this is a great thing. I mean, who, yeah. who knew a year ago that, you know, sitting here today, you're going to have a nonprofit that you're being a patient advocate. Um, you went to get you got you're getting your masters. I mean, I, I mean that's just so it's very interesting.
3: Yeah, it's and it's fun, you yeah. know. And uh, one, actually, a few legislators actually complimented us and said, you know, we really like hearing from y'all because y'all are focused on the patient y'all y'all when we talk to y'all y'all. it's not about you it's not about my industry it's
1: or about, or the physicians it's yeah, about the yeah. the people yeah and i'm sure they get so much
2: from the insurance side and the and the reimbursement side and the big lobbyists that come in for fighting for whatever it's going to be for blue cross or whoever it is mm-hmm. so coming for a, a patient perspective i'm sure they don't get a lot of that
3: yeah no. because when they they when they ask me oh, i actually had a conversation with one of them. It, was, it was in the hallway at the capitol and he goes. So, what do you do? I said. He was like, "Where do you work?" And I said, oh, "I work for the federal system." And he goes, "Wait, but y'all are—they already have unsupervised practice in the federal system." I was like, "Yeah, I know." He was like, "So, why are you doing this?" I was like, "Because I'm doing it for the patient. Like, I get nothing out of this, right? right you right. know." And 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 that is something that I'm constantly battling. And you probably remember this from uh, from class, but mm-hmm. I'm constantly defending physicians because. It's so easy to vilify physicians and act like they're trying to protect their wallet right. and trying to, you know, our egos are so big or something. Right. Really? Come on. Do you think a neurosurgeon needs to have his ego stroked? <laughs> the, the, the neurosurgeons. <laughs> That's true. Let me tell you something the neurosurgeons are some of our biggest supporters.
1: Let me tell you, we we represent this- I mean I represent several neurosurgeons and I can oh. tell you right now they, they, they need no stroking.
3: They need no stroking None. and their their jobs are not threatened by unsupervised no, practice. Right, you know, no, why are they right. why are they supporting us? Because they care about the patient.
1: Right. Right? Because that's- I think I think you have a lot don't you think you have a lot of doctors who generally when you get down to the to the marrow in their bones, that's how they really feel?
3: Oh, absolutely. And the the problem is we all go into medicine with that very altruistic I wanna help people right. attitude. And then you get into it and it's easy to forget and get lost in all the drama of the day, the paperwork, the never ending clicking, the insurance, the prior authorization. I mean, there's just so much that just drives you down. We call it moral injury. Right. Um, that it, it, it's hard to remember, you know, why you did this. Sure. But uh, I know on my hardest days at work, I'll turn to the nurses and go, we had a great day. And they're like, oh, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, we saved lives today. Like, right. that's, yeah. Don't forget, that's why we're doing this. Like, we, we got killed and retired. And we fill out, a, we clicked a thousand times, you know, but we saved a bunch of lives today. Yeah. So, and that's why we all went into it. So... Um, people get reminded of that for sure.
1: So where Louisiana Physicians for Patients right now? Currently, it's you're looking at legislation. Mm-hmm. Do you see this expanding into other areas, maybe with even medical-legal partnerships, things like that, that, that that not only help patients from the legislative standpoint, but in other ways? Oh,
3: absolutely. And we already, we, we do, you know, I've, I've been talking mainly about scope of practice this whole time. And, you know, let me go back. I said I do everything myself. I don't exactly do everything myself. We do have a core group of people and we have, I have advocacy partners that we we go to the launches together. I'm just talking about like doing the paperwork and building sure. the website. One right. of my partners did the website. So I don't I don't want to, if they're listening to this, I don't want to completely take their credit away. I just mean that we're It's doing, a team effort. It's a team effort. I just mean that we don't have an executive director. Like we're just, it's well, just what truly grassroots. Well, I
1: have you. I mean, roots. I would think that you're the executive <laughs> I <guess> director. <laughs> <laughs> I would think so.
3: I guess so. Um, yeah, no, but we already... Um, you have a board? We Not yet, because... Well, okay, kind of. So one of my partners is the president. Another one is the treasurer. So for a nonprofit, you really only need two officers. But my partner who's doing the paperwork right now just messaged me like two days and he said, like, hey, do you want to be the vice president? I was like, sure, you know? Well, there you go. <laughs> See? See, you have a title. Um, but yeah, so we've already expanded out. We we do give opinions on non-competes. Uh. Uh, we gave opinions because like, there were. I think there were two bills this past year. They didn't move. They stayed in the. Sure. Uh, yeah, we talked
1: about that was another podcast on that was. one. That's right.
3: Um, we something that we would like to do is uh, we'd actually like to introduce some proactive bills. Some protective bills. Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, transparency. So a lot of not a lot of there are some clinics out there. Well, they'll they'll do like a bait and switch. Uh, so you make an appointment. And you think you're seeing you know Dr. Conrad Meyer right and when you get there you're not seeing dr conrad Meyer; you're seeing they're a nurse practitioner or they're uh, right so it's a bait and switch and then uh the, the, you know and then um there are some uh nurse practitioners who are introducing themselves as doctor in the clinical setting uh, and it doesn't always get clarified that they're that's, not. A to me, that's
1: the biggest frustrating thing. Mm-hmm. I think for patients is yes. the, is 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 how you you know who's addressing yeah. and what terminology they're using. What are they they showing the patients? Yeah,
3: exactly. So there is uh, the American— patients
1: don't know, Jane. They, they don't, don't know, know. and they right. Know. So that's
3: what we're here for. We're here to try to educate them and try to protect them by passing this proactive legislation. So we're going to try to practice. Uh, pass it or introduce it this year, but it's a fiscal year. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Right. But, um, it's transparency in healthcare. It's saying like, this is who's working today. This is their credential. Um, and then. Interesting. Uh,
1: hmm I think that, I think that would clear up confusion for, because you know, patients, they just don't know. Yeah. They see a white coat, they see a badge. Yeah. And if some nurse practitioner or physician assistant says, oh, I'm Dr. So-and-so, which in my mind, I, I you know, I think the board might even have – I don't. I, I thought there was issues about it. you can't say what or you can't say you can't hold yourself out to the public.
3: That uh, is a truth in advertising, camp, uh, th- and that was law because I, ha- I, right. I I know the person who And
1: I don't recall. I board. don't know the law exactly, but I thought there was no. some rule against you no. can't hold yourself out as a physician if you're not licensed in the state to practice medicine. Oh, really. Yeah,
3: if you're not, I mean, licensed is that right? State state. Roy, am I correct yeah, on that?
1: You can't hold yourself absolutely. If you cannot hold yourself out to
2: be a physician if you're not licensed. Right, to be a physician. yeah, okay.
1: you're violating the Medical Practice Act. So, absolutely. Uh, very interesting. So, so you got the transparency. No, that being proposed right now. I mean, is that already written? on in committee or are we, are uh, we, I don't wanna get ahead of yourself and I wanna le- no, leak committee.
3: No, no, I have um, a, a bare bones bill because a few states have already pra- have already passed this. I got it. Uh, okay. and that's so even we, greater. Yeah, I mean, we have you, model legislation. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. great.
2: Perfect. Yeah,
3: yeah. and um, we would love to introduce a patient bill of rights so that the patients know what their rights are. Okay. You know, so th- there's one, there's one Medicaid. Is there a national,
1: there's a nursing home bill of rights in louisiana i know that but there's no patient bill of rights in louisiana Mm -mm. wow okay what would that look like
3: it would uh, it would the patient would so if they want to see a physician they can see a physician so that would be part of their bill of rights like you have a right to see a physician if you want to see a physician okay um especially if somebody pulled like a bait and switch on you right um you have a i'm blanking on it now i can pull out the paperwork
1: We're not going to hold you to everything yeah. in the okay. bill, yeah. but I mean, I think that that's a, the, so, so this is a, this is a, the second bill. So transparency is one and a patient bill of rights. I yeah. think you'd have a lot of, I think you had a lot of support if you, if the, if there was commonsensical patient focused, exactly. patient safety, yeah. things like that. I think, I think you would get a lot of support because it's almost, you think it's a no brainer. It's, it's, it's a no brainer. Right. That's how I
3: feel, but y'all know how it is. At the Capitol, of course. Things that you think would That's be true. So You're
1: going to have easy. a lot of big hospital
2: systems fighting you. Well, on why, why do we need that? On that, <laughs> we don't need that, right? So, where do you see this in in five years if everything goes? a great goes question. The way yeah. that you you want it to go. You, you mentioned membership, so you want to do some sort of, I guess, paid membership to help fund these things with physicians paying in yeah
3: i mean just it and it's just to increase honestly it's we need money for a lobbyist sure because i although i was able to go pretty much every week this past year i'm only one person sure yeah um and you know lsms is there every day they do a great job um but right now i feel like i'm flying by the seat of my pants so i I really don't have a five-year strategy okay Uh, we're still growing we're still talking and, and planning like we're you know, right now we're talking about um, the American, the Louisiana chapter of ASAP, American yeah. College of Emergency Physicians. We have been brainstorming on how to uh, raise money. So we're talking about maybe trying to plan a CME conference so okay. that we can, because, you know, it's, it's a big problem actually in the ER world is uh, in the rural areas. Like you might not always see a physician. Sure. You, you might just see a nurse practitioner. And, you know, do you want to have some sort of a tractor accident and, you know, not have a board-certified emergency physician. That happened
2: to, not me, over the summer. It happened to my, my son over the summer. Not a tractor accident, but mm-hmm. same thing. Rural. Uh, went to a hospital Saturday night. Your typical, what you would expect of an ER in a rural town on Saturday if night. If they're
1: really an ER, they could be just a GP or a PCP or a yeah. family medicine. I mean, no, this they're was not, the, right, yeah, ER. The, yeah.
2: the, this was the ER that the paramedics recommended, and it was a nurse practitioner. Knock on wood, wow. everything was great. Yeah. He did a great job, um, but... It, it, you know, had to do, um, had to do a CT scan and radiology and all that. And mm-hmm. would I have felt better with an MD or a DO there? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But you know, that's that's what we were faced with. So yeah, and look,
3: I mean, I, I, I can't say it enough. It, it's not that I think nurse practitioners and PAs are not good enough to practice. I just sure. They need supervision. The physician it, needs to be there for the times that they're the whatever the patient is presenting with is beyond their level of education. And I
2: think you're going to see there's so many different angles, because from the hospital's angle is that in this hospital, they could make them as an independent contractor so they can bill themselves. And they're probably having to pay them much less than an MD or a DO. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they want to do it because they want to capture more fees and not Mm -hmm. have to be under underneath the supervision. So I think there's a lot of different, people that either want this to happen or don't want it to happen probably the patients don't but i think hospitals are probably okay i think, with I think
1: hospitals well i mean you think about this though if you think about you know incident two billing right i mean if they if they, they want i would think they would want to have more you know, more app's or 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 Right, that,
2: that's what I'm saying. If I'm a hospital, so I can I, I can
1: capture that incident too at a full hundred percent, and it's all being done by the APPs. Yeah, if I'm well, if I'm a hospital
2: and I need to staff an ER, I would rather staff it with an NP, right, than a
1: because I'm paying ADO. less, but I'm still capturing the full f- the full profit. Cor- correct. So,
3: uh, okay, so
1: that was a lot of meta- legal jargon, but that's that's that's. You know. No, no,
3: I hear everything you're saying. I actually agree with you. So um, the, and, and that is what is happening. So, but that's like the tip of the iceberg, right? So right. the, the people in the business office are saying, all right, we're going to hire. Um, and this is happening with private equity, which I think private equity is the root of all evil. Like when they move, when they <laughs> move into the hospital systems, mm-hmm. costs go up and yeah. quality goes down. It is proven. I mean, I have a bunch of data to back that up. Okay. So, but what they're doing is they, they're saying that they can, they're taking advantage of the nurse practitioners really, yeah. right? They're, they're, right. Saying they're, they're, they're paying them less to do the same type of work. They're yes. not putting
2: them in their network. So they're billing the patient out of network.
3: Oh really? I didn't yeah. know that. Oh yeah. That's,
2: yeah that's, okay. that's a common. That's the big scheme in Ooh. ERs. Yeah, the is that you have them as an independent contractor. They bill out of network, so the hospital gets to bill their fee.
1: Well, wait, that, that's going to end, though, with, um, come on, it happened this oh, year, yeah, the it, new it, legislation. It, it
2: ended January 1st, right, where we, they have
1: to take your
2: Was that the CARES network. Act?
1: No, it was, um, come on, what was that? You know what uh, I'm talking about. The, the acronym for it now. I'm oh, it's killing me. Um, it started January first, you're correct. Yeah. There was a transparency, the uh, the, like a the, the, the the billing tra- and the yes. can't you're in, network, you're in network, you gotta stick to network fee, you can't Yes, right, for emergency right. services. Like no
3: surprise billing? That's
1: what oh, it is. Okay. Yes. The no yeah. surprise the yeah. no surprise no act. Surprise yeah. exactly. yeah. Man, yeah. Jamie coming to the rescue. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Well we we but we advocated for that last year in DC. That just started. Yeah. That
1: just started. So all that, that mess is that's gonna supposed is gonna tie it up. Yeah. Correct. You know.
3: Yeah, so there's a there's a study out of Hattiesburg. There's the Hattiesburg Clinic that uh, they finally showed us the data that physicians all knew was true, but we just didn't have the data to back it up. Uh-huh. And they finally published the data for us. So uh, Hattiesburg Clinic is a clinic in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and you know they're cousins, so healthcare is very similar. Right. But they are an accountable care organization, which means that uh, they see they're funded by Medicare, sure. right, and they need to keep quality up. And costs down. Correct. And if they meet their goals, then they get, then they get their bonuses. They get a bump. Okay. Okay. So Hattiesburg clinic is, I I I don't need to look it up, but they, they have a, however many clinics, however many doctors. And uh, they were doing an analysis because they have a business to run, right? Like let's, we, we gotta, let's, let's do an analysis and see who needs help and who doesn't. Well, what they found when they did their analysis was the lowest performers were the nurse practitioners and the PAs. And to that point, and I'm sure there, I'm sure there were a few doctors. right? There. Okay. So, um, they found that the nurse practitioners and the PAs, and they had their own patient panels, by the way, meaning like they would see their own patients. Oh, they wow. had this, they had this contract with a physician, but the physician wasn't seeing them. Well, you know, the CEO, he's done a few interviews, a few like podcasts and stuff like that. Right. Where um they were under the assumption that the quality would be good and the cost would be good. So that's why they hired them. They were they were
1: But they so, gave them their own panels.
3: They gave them their own patient panels, yes. So when they did the analysis, and this is ten years of information, they found that the uh, nurse practitioners and the PA panels, independent run panels, Uh, perform lower in 8 out of 10 quality metrics, and if you care about money, the nurse practitioners and the PAs cost uh, Medicare $43 per member per month for the affected patient. So when you calculate that out, it doesn't sound like a lot, right? Oh, it's only $43. $10 million a year. And this is just for uncomplicated patients. The why were, is
2: that? Why do you think it costs Well, They, they must
1: have had large panels and they must have had a, a tremendous amount of patients yeah. and at that, that dollar rate, you yeah. know, yeah. annualized. Well, they,
3: they, they order more consults, they order more tests. I got tests. it, some more
1: tests, I got it. But wait, is it, not, yeah. is it, not, it but it's capitated? Is it capitated or not, is it? No. So it's fee for service. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, it. I don't know if it's fee for service, but I know it's not capitated. Because when you
1: say $43 per member per month, I'm thinking in my, my, my brain, that's a capitated payment. But, no, but no, it's not. They were
3: they were billing out to Medicare, costing Medicare $43 wow. more, I remember from And this was just for simple patients, this simple oh, I see, above
1: above that, I got it. Exactly. Above Okay. They were out they were the outlier.
3: Yeah, because they were they and and this is what their data showed, you know, they consult more, even the consultants were referring to other consultants okay. more and in the independent panel, you know, non-physician practitioners. So, um, so what they did was after they right. did that analysis, uh, starting in 21 or tw- maybe this year, uh, they took away all of their independent panels and all the panels need to be overseen by a physician now. Interesting. And, and like, they were very, they were like, look, they, they said the same thing I said, we value our nurse practitioners. We value our, our, PAs. Uh, they just need to be supervised now. That's what's best for the patient. Um, and they said they said the NPPs at their clinics, like, they had six months to prepare for it. They took it very well. They weren't offended. Because right. You can't argue with the data, right? Interesting. Right. It's Medicare data. It's right. Right? Um, so they said it went very well. And, you know, we, we did have the the nurse practitioner lobby and the PA lobby kind of try to brush it away. They actually did that in committee, and I was actually very upset with it because I felt like they misrepresented the study. Um. But um, they, they, they tried to blow it up, but I'm like, you know, if you, if you read the study, it's only five pages, you know, it's very clear right. uh, that patients need physician like care.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, all, all the physicians I talk to, I, mean, I guess it's they're self-interested, uh, some would say, would say the same thing, like there just needs to be oversight. Yeah. So that's a very interesting concept. So so let me ask you this. So now, you, you know, you haven't got a full year in, I would, I mean, I, I think we're going to have to have you back, because I would love to see... The follow-up. Off without a doubt, yeah. you know, especially if some interesting bill comes out that you guys think that uh, that your your organization feels like it needs to be talked about. I would love to have you on so that we could talk through it. yeah, um,
3: I would love that. yeah, and, and you're like, oh, gosh, you know, we've only been here for eight months, and sometimes I feel like,, ah, you know sure <laughs> like, fly, like I said, I'm flying by this, you know, but when I really go back and list what we've done for people? Like, we had a lunch with the Black Caucus. I had a, I organized a listening session with one of the senators and one of the reps to speak to rural health physicians. Because it's always about rural It's always the, the talking point for the nurse practitioners is access to care. Right, right. right. Um, which is not true. It's not true. I And I keep telling people it's an unfulfilled promise. Like, every state, 27 states have passed unsupervised care uh and um, not one of them has improved their rural, their rural access to care.
1: You mean the mar- market penetration in terms yes. of? In, uh, got it. Yes, that's yeah. interesting. So they use access as a goal for independence, but yeah. it's really a, fa- a farce. It's a farce. Interesting. Wow. Yeah,
3: yeah. I can show you the maps. It's uh, and you can do the comparisons. It does not change.
1: That's pretty amazing. That is
3: data driven. That is data driven. You can't.
1: You know. Data doesn't lie. Yeah.
3: And then you know, like you, you know, one of the one of the senators uh, on the health who she, she introduces a lot of the bills. You know, she'll point out that the VA has, well, they do it. They haven't had any problems. But, um, you know, there was the, I want to say independent practice or unsupervised practice for them was practice, you know, was passed. (sighs) Okay. I don't remember what year it was. Maybe it was 2016. Okay. Well, in 2014, there was a quality group that looked at all the data for nurse practitioners and their quality. And they asked like very specific questions about outcomes and everything. And right. Um, they, I, I want to say they started off with like 900 studies, and then when they whittled it down, only eight studies applied. Right? Because you're going to hear the nurse practitioners say, "We have all this data. Here's all this data that supports our cause." Right? Well, only eight. They were only able to use eight of the articles, and then eight of the articles, all eight, either were like low to moderate to really no. Um, uh, w- I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the word. Um, like the quality of the study, they sure. were low quality studies, right? So they said, even though we're going to tell you what these studies show, it's low quality data, so you can't even really make a decision on it. Well, guess what? The VA passed independent practice two years later, anyways.
0: So There's
1: no no joy. Well, yeah. So let me. I mean, we talked a lot about today. Yeah. Um, the focus on oversight for nurse practitioners, physician assistants, uh non-physician providers mm-hmm. um what other and we talked a little bit about transparency mm-hmm. are there any other topics that your organization the louisiana uh physicians for patients is is looking at um and, and, and if it's not i'm just curious if if it's if there's any other things that that are on your radar right now right for your organization that yeah. that you want to bring up
3: uh um- no, uh, everything that we comment on is very, like, ugh, said it for a dozen, it's very, very, very patient focused. So we did comment on a few, like, vaccine bills um, where we felt like it would be detrimental for the patients. So there was one bill, um, it was, uh, they were asking for pharmacists to be able to give vaccines to uh, people of all ages. Like right. right now you okay. have to be a certain age to, to get a vaccine in a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually oppose that. And it was very mixed. The, the medical community was very mixed about that. Mm-hmm. But we oppose it because um, I personally know people who, uh, like Children's Hospital, I think this is great. Children's Hospital has a shop bus to make getting vaccines more available. Right. Uh, more, like they'll go park in you know the Walmart parking lot and like, come get your shots. Sure. Right? Um, I think that's great, but I personally know some people who don't go see their primary care physicians because, so they don't get their wellness checks, right? Got it. And preventive healthcare is what prevents, you know, medical problems. And that's where a lot of medical problems are found. So if you go every year and you just go get your shot and you don't see your physician and they don't hear that murmur or see that medical problem that you don't, then we felt like it was a danger to patients. So we actually oppose that. So, so no. So as a, as a broad, um, broadly, no, there's no specific topic. Uh, we kind of just like, we kind of address them as they come.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We're going to, uh, let me ask you this, Jamie. So if if someone wants to go to, I know you haven't built it yet. You're saying you're building the website. Okay. Do you have a domain a, 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 a domain name or a website address that's going to be coming out yet? As if you do, I think it would be really, it would be very interesting. And if you don't, if you don't, uh, we can always get that to you later. That's fine. Yeah. We can post it on the, uh, on the link to the podcast. Yeah, we could do that too. Oh, that'd so be that'd be great. You know? um,
3: it's Louisiana, it is, it's HTTP, Louisiana Physicians for Patients dot,
1: well, www.louisianaphysiciansforpatients physicians for
3: patients. It's not www. It's not. It's just the http
1: colon slash <laughs> slash exactly. louisiana physicians, physicians for patients. Patients. Yeah. Dot com.
3: yeah, got it. Okay, or, or dot org or something. Or, well, shame on me. We'll shame get it. it. That's me. okay.
1: That's okay. Well, we'll, we'll you know it. what? We'll get it from you. But okay. I want to be able to tell the listeners if you want to go to the website and look at what your organization is doing for patients, I think that would be something that that, that would be of interest. You Thank know. Thank you. Well, Jamie, uh, Rory, any final thoughts for Doctor Quo? No, I think we should definitely have
2: you back. Maybe when, yes. when some bills come out, and yeah, you know, we'd love to hear. I want Jamie on process. as a
1: regular here. I mean, she's I like a natural.
3: <laughs> I would love you to. You know, do that.
1: well, we want to thank you very much for coming down today. It's been a pleasure seeing you. I, I really, I really enjoyed this. This was really fun, uh, and I'm so happy for you. I mean, this is. I, you know, I've like I've watched you in the classroom, and now I'm seeing this. It's like uh, I'm very proud. I'm thank very proud. Thank you so proud much. And thanks for happy. having me. Great. We'll look forward to next time. Well, everyone, thank you very much for another episode of Health Law Talk, and uh, we'll post this up pretty soon. I hope Rory and I will get this done, and we look forward to the next episode. Everyone, have a great week. Enjoy.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Health Law Talk, presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel. Make sure to give us that five-star rating and share with your friends. Shahardi Sherman Williams is providing this podcast as a public service. This podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal advice, nor does this podcast establish an attorney-client relationship. Reference to any specific product or entity does not count as an endorsement or recommendation by Shahardi Sherman-Williams. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own, and their appearance does not imply an endorsement of them or their entity that they represent. Remember, please consult an attorney for your specific legal issues.